Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this and you and welcome to the show that wants to know if you got in on that GameStop action. And if you did, let me hold this up. You tuned into another episode of It's a Black and White Thing. I am your host, Carlos Johnson. Please remember you can find every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice and subscribing to It's a Black and White Thing. Um, man, I'm seeing, sorry, I'm looking at looking at my data here, but you can go to every episode. You can find every episode by going to the podcast app of your choice, subscribing, commenting, reviewing. The more you do so, the more the podcast is then uh, uh, I can't think of the word I want to look for here, but the more eyes will be on the podcast, which would be great. You know, we do this as a hobby, but you know, we wouldn't mind doing this full time. So if you wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind, support your brother. Huh? Huh? But anyway, you can also find every, well, not every episode. You can find these live episodes on YouTube. Um, I record this, this episode live. It'll go up on the page with, you know, some editing about a day or two later. So, Go to YouTube, search Brains and Bars, and like that page, like the content there, share that page. Um, let's get those views up, get those subscribers up. We appreciate those of you who have subscribed to the channel, um, but we, we would like a little bit more. So keep keep joining, keep liking, keep sharing. And then you can follow us on social media by going to at Brains and Bars on Facebook, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I am on my solo dolo tonight. I'm not with, I'm without my two co-hosts, but shout out to them. Um, A-Ward, I am A-Ward.com for everything A-Ward related, battles, merch, any music, any music content he has that comes out. Shout out to him. He's got a battle going down on Wartown Battle League. Shout out to Clone in Warner Robins, Georgia. This weekend, taking on Riggs. Riggs is someone that I am a fan of, so I'm excited to watch that battle um it's going to be live i believe you can go to rapgrid.com and find the pay-per-view subscribe and or not subscribe but buy the pay-per-view watch the battle support small battle leagues um also um shout out to loso everything loso.com you can find merch music battles there as well um and just announced this weekend he has a battle going on versus or that will happen here kings versus queens two versus vixen um this is a battle where these two have talked about this for some time and it's going down um next month in february so shout out to them <clears throat> um and i appreciate those who will be tuning live if you have any questions you're more than welcome to throw them in to the chat and i'll be more than happy to answer them but you know we got a good little show lined up for you tonight i'm going to be with you here for the next maybe 45 maybe an hour, just depending on how, how I feel. Um, and if you are not new to the show, you know how we do. Um, if you are new to the show, welcome. We normally start each show with uh, what I learned. And this is what I've learned. This is actually breaking news. Like this just happened within the last 30 minutes. Um, but I just found out that Cicely Tyson has passed, I believe it was the age of 96, um, you know, so, it's one of those things where 96 that you have lived a full and long and great life. Cicely Tyson, actress, um, one of the more prominent black actresses, not only of her time, but of my lifetime as well. Um, and, you know, there are certain people that you just feel that are never going to die. Right. Like there are just people you just assume they are even going to outlive you because they've been around for for, I mean, obviously for the entirety of my life, right? I mean, and for the entirety of dang near my mother's life, right? I mean, like Samuel L. Jackson, um, trying to think who else? Cicely Tyson is one. Ruby D and Ossie Davis was one for me because I used to watch kind of like these, they had, I don't know if this was BT, right? You said that black cinema movie of the week and Ruby D and Ossie Davis would be the ones to introduce it, kind of talk about the movie. Uh, James Earl Jones is somebody It's just like, yo, like these people are never going to die because they just 
they've been so a part of your life and ingrained in your life, especially from an entertainment perspective, where it's just you don't envision a world without them. And yet here we are. So, you know, rest in peace, Cicely Tyson. Um, my condolences to your family um, during this time. But man, like I said, 90, I believe it's 96. Let me see if I got it on my phone here. I think it's 90, it's either 96 or 99. Um, but you know, what a what a life. What a life. So just learned that breaking news. The other thing that I learned, um, it was 96 for Cicely Tyson. Um, the other thing that I learned, so we and we're going to get into some sports here with this one. John Madden apparently listens to the show. Breaking news. John Madden apparently listens to the show. Why do I say apparently he listens to the show? To the show? Because there was an article from Pro Football Talk that came out uh, this week um, where John Madden talked about coaches potentially using his video game to prepare to play games in real life, right? So um, in the Pro Football Talk piece, um, Madden said that players, or not players, but rebel players and coaches could use his game to prepare uh, for actual games by looking at the, the play calls, looking at the simulating the coverages and simulating offensive and defensive plays. And I was like, oh, you know, John, I don't know about that. I don't, you know, I, I was with you at first, but nah, I don't know about that part. Um, but here's where I do think Madden could be uh, of of use for coaches. And this is something that I've been advocating. I went back and looked up my Twitter feed to see just how long I've been saying this. I've been saying this for six years now. Madden could help NFL teams by having what is called, what I like to call a Madden game coordinator. A Madden game coordinator is someone who has played 10,000 hours or more of Madden. They are high level players, players who might play for money, who might even play professionally, might be a professional gamer in the Madden genre and the Madden arena who can help NFL coaches work through two point conversion, end of half, end of game, clock management, when to take timeouts, when to go forward on fourth down. Now I know the fourth down thing, everybody goes forward on fourth down in Madden, right? But however, when, when you play in a Madden league, there's normally structure on when you can go for fourth, go forward on fourth down. And I do think that if you have those players who are who are playing, like I said, on a professional level, who are high level Madden players, that they could provide expertise on when to go for it. Why do I say this? Because NFL coaches by nature are conservative. They are not uh, people who are who are who are bold. Right. Like so, for example, Ron Rivera has been called Riverboat Ron because he, out of nowhere, decided to be more aggressive going forward on fourth down. Whereas previously, Ron was known as, as the opposite of Riverboat Ron. He was conservative Ron because he refused to go forward on fourth down, um, going forward on two point, going for two point conversions when necessary. Right. And I understand people say we got analytics, but these again, we're talking about conservative coaches. Right. And sometimes they don't want to rely on numbers. But if you have an actual voice, an actual person who is telling them, hey, I think you should go for it here. Hey, I think you should instead of kicking this field goal, you should go for it here instead of going for two here. Don't chase the points. Go ahead. Kick your extra point. There's going to be another opportunity for you to go for two later if necessary. I do think that there is value. There is value in that for NFL coaches. And I think if you have watched these playoffs, you have watched time and time again where NFL players or where, in, where head coaches could have made decisions that were more aggressive. You think about uh, Sean McDermott kicking field goals versus the Chiefs instead of going for it um, in the red zone. You think about uh, what happened at the end of the Packers game where they decide to kick the field goal versus going uh, versus going for the touchdown, right? Um, there's a play, and actually I'll say that for when I actually talk about the game, but there are just opportunities and moments where these coaches, instead of being bold, 
and, and making a bold decision would take the easy way out. And I don't want to say all the time, but a, a lot of the time when we go back and we look at the game and say, well, this was a turning point. Well, this was a critical moment. This was a critical decision. We end up focusing, especially in the playoffs, on a lot of decisions where they decide to punt when they should go for it. They decide to kick a field goal when they should go for the touchdown. Or they decide to go for two and chase points when they don't need to. And understand this, because I, I, I got into it with, with a homie at the barbershop. Madness is simulation, right? Madness is simply a simulation and, and it gets into the process of how you would handle a game situation, which is why I think that these Madden players would be so helpful because they have to make snap decisions in this simulated game about when to do all of those things I've discussed. Because the clock is always, especially if you're losing, the clock is always working against you because you don't have a 15 minute clock, right? Most Madden users are working from a six minute clock, maybe an eight minute clock. If you are hardcore, you might go 10 minute clock, right? So that's what I've learned. John Madden may, might have heard of the show, but he didn't listen to the segment because he had he listened to it, he wouldn't have come out with, hey, you can learn the playbook, which I think there is a case of Kay McNown famously learning the playbook from Madden. But use these Madden players to help walk these coaches through these simulations, through these, through these simulations. So that when we get through these game situations where it's, Hey, Sean McDermott, we're down 12. We're on the eight yard line. It's fourth down. What should we do right against the, the Chiefs? We should go for it because the only way we're going to beat this team is by scoring touchdowns, not field goals. So that's what I learned this week. Y'all can let us know what you learned this week by going to uh, Facebook, Twitter or even Instagram. Search at Brands and Bars and let us know what you learned this week. Um and we'll get on, we'll move along to the next part of the show. So uh, we're going to jump in NFL. This is going to be an NFL heavy show. Um, I might jump and talk a little bit about inside the NBA at the end um, as it relates to Shaq and Barkley and how they cover the league. But let's start the NFL. So NFL quarterbacks are all the rage right now. We are in, while the play, the Super Bowl is a week away, we're getting heavy into draft season senior bowl is going on right now but also quarterbacks a few quarterbacks across the league are in the news obviously aaron Rodgers, after losing another nfc championship game speculation about his future where he's going to go you got deshaun watson um who wants to be traded but before i get to him the boy jared golf man <laughs> the boy jared golf uh less need um did not give it exactly a ringing endorsement about his future in Kansas City. Um, hold on, Unc, I'm gonna get back to you on that. Actually, you know what, I'll address that now. My Unc said that person already exists. He's called an offensive coordinator. I understand that, but here's the thing you gotta understand, Unc, about these offensive coordinators. They're just as conservative as the head coach. Like NFL coaches, almost, almost as a default setting are conservative they are not risk takers in that way it is why when they start to be risk takers they get names like riverboat rom because they're doing the exact opposite of what we know them to do madden players are more bold there I, I hate the word to use the word liberal <laughs> in contrast to to conservative but they're more daring um should i say in making those decisions how many people do i need making those decisions uh, you know Again, it's just one person. He doesn't have to take his advice. It is simply a voice to say, you should go for it here. That's all I'm saying. It's a voice to say, because at that point, so let's just say you, you have a timeout, right? A timeout is called. The quarterback might say in that moment, let's go for it. The coach might be saying, and the offensive coordinator might be overruling him. So at best, you're talking three voices. You're adding one more voice to the mix. And again, in games that are important, sometimes that having that voice, especially one who is designated simply for those times and those moments, might carry a little bit more weight. We're talking about conservative people, though, people who are conservative and people who don't like to take risks by nature. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to hire an analytics person to tell you, hey, if you go for it on fourth down, there's a 40 percent chance you'll be successful. Right. If they were daring by nature, they wouldn't need a numbers person to tell them to give them data that says it's more likely you'll be successful if you do this. So that's just that's just my thoughts on it. But 
Jared Goff. We get jump back to Jared Goff. So Jared Goff has been uh, kicked to the curb, except they haven't kicked him to the curb yet, right? Les Need in an interview said that in the moment, as of right now, Jared Goff is a L.A. Ram. But the future is a beautiful mystery. And I feel like they treated him like the opening lines to uh, Drake's hook on Aston Martin music. Woulda came back for you. Woulda came back for you. I just needed time. Like it's over. The the clock the clock's not working. I feel like they're treating Jared Goff almost like uh, if in a relationship when when a person has is done, but they don't they haven't said I'm done yet, and they just start leaving like these really loud signals that it's over. Like I feel like Jared Goff is going to walk into Sean McVay's office. And he's going to see his his phone open, unlocked in the Instagram search open of him looking up other quarterbacks. Man, bro, what it coach, you looking at you got you looking up Aaron Rodgers stats, you're looking up Deshaun, like Matthew Stafford. What is that? Like, I feel like that's what's going on in LA right now with Jared Goff. And here's the thing that I hope that this Jared Goff situation is going to teach us. Cause I don't think he's going to be in LA next year, not as a starter. This is just me speculating and prognosticating. I don't think he's going to be in LA beyond this season. And I hope the thing that we, the the lesson that we learn from this situation is that just because a team is successful does not mean the quarterback is good, right? Because I hate QB wins. QB wins is, it's a team sport, yet we have a stat called QB wins. Let's just, let's just start there, right? But this, but you have a guy who was propped up by a good defense, by an all-pro running back in Todd Gurley when he was there. And listen, it's not to say that Jared Goff was trash. We're going to get to that in just a second. But he was good enough to get them to the Super Bowl, right? And then Bill Belichick does what Bill Belichick does, and they lost that Super Bowl. And they haven't come close since. Also, let me point out, the Rams also benefited from one of the most egregious non-calls in NFL history in order to make that Super Bowl. But that's not a hear them there, right? They went to overtime. Drew Brees had a chance, but he, Drew Brees does what Drew Brees does, right, in those moments. So Jared Goff is probably on his way out the door. And here's how I rank QBs, right? This is my personal QB ranking system and where Jared Goff falls in that system, in that rankings tier. I have the elite. These are the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme, the guys that you will bank most of the time, you'll put your life in their hands because you know they're going to come through, right? Then you have guys who are, are good, right? These guys, these are players that you can count who are going to be in the playoffs year in, year out. Their performance is pretty good. Um, their numbers are pretty good and not just, and understand it's a passing league. So everyone puts up numbers, even this next tier that I'm going to mention where I feel Jared Goff falls in. Everyone puts up numbers, but this is a guy like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is a guy who is going to give you moments where you think he's the MVP. He's going to give you opportunities to win most of the games um, that, the, that the team is competitive in. And there are times where he can make two of those two or three plays you need your quarterback to make that will win you games, right? So I think that's that's where Russell Wilson falls. I feel like a Mahomes, I feel like a Rodgers is, is in that elite tier. Now, I feel like a guy like Jared Goff is a mediocre quarterback. Now, understand when I say mediocre, I mean relative to his peers, not relative to me, right? I don't want this clip somehow getting plastered on the internet. Some schmuck calls Jared Goff mediocre. No, mediocre compared to his peers, not to a, 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 a Joe like myself, right? And what I mean by that is that in the right circumstance and the right situations, a guy like Jared Goff is going to be successful, right? He is going to make plays within the system. If you scheme things for him just right and the defense is hitting and, and he's got a good running game, Jared Goff more times than not is going to be successful for you. And even in a great magical season, he's going to go to a Super Bowl. I feel like this is a guy like Joe Flacco. People don't want to hear me when I say this next name, but I feel like Eli Manning falls. Eli Manning was good. So overall, he was good. But I'm. But what I mean is, is that in terms of team success, in the right moment, in the right set of circumstances, they can overachieve. 
And I think Jared Goff overachieved by making that Super Bowl back in 2018 against uh, the Patriots. But a mediocre quarterback can be just good enough for you to believe in him, but yet give you enough bad moments to where you can never fully trust in him. As a 49ers fan, this is Jimmy Garoppolo for me. And that's where I feel Jared Goff falls into is the mediocre tier. And then you have the bad tier, which, I mean, you know, if you're bad, you're bad, right? I mean, there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, but you know, that with that being said, that leads me to my next quarterback, which is Deshaun Watson, who I feel is in that good tier, right? He he's he's in that good tier and trying to make his way up to elite. And so he has officially requested a trade this week from the Houston Texans after they have hired their new head coach, I believe his name is David Cully, who came from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, there have been rumblings and rumbles about him wanting out, falling out with the with management over the process in which he was promised his input would be uh, valued in the search for the next head coach. It did not happen. That was the start. And now we it's culminated in him requesting a trade from the Houston Texans. Now, before I get to Deshaun, right, and what I think he'll what I think teams should do to acquire him. First of all, I have to give some praise to Jack Easterby. If you don't know who Jack Easterby is, Jack Easterby is the he's an executive vice president for the Houston Texans and probably if not the most powerful man outside of the owner. He's number one. He's number he's either one B or two on that pecking order. Right. And so I you know, when it comes to uh, management, at a, at, in, a, in a professional organization, we normally don't know their names unless they are incredibly uh, powerful or incredibly incompetent, right? Um, so, you know, if you lived in Kansas City, Carl Peterson was a guy who had moments of brilliance, but moments of incompetence. Scott Pioli is someone who won't be loved in Kansas City for his time here. Um, John Dorsey, right? Ted Thompson, um, I mean, Bill Belichick, for better or worse, is kind of like the GM of the Patriots. Jerry Jones is GM of the Cowboys. Um, these are names that we know, but we might not know their faces. And Jack Easterby is almost a mystery, right? I didn't hear this guy until this year. But I just want to give you a couple of notes about his rise from where he started to this point in time now where he is the head guy in, in, in Houston. So Jack Easterby started out as a part-time academic tutor at the University of South Carolina, right? He became a chaplain of South Carolina basketball. He hooked up with Dave Odom, a former head coach there, who, in, who liked his enthusiasm, saw him at a camp. Um, he acted as almost like a life coach, and he became a chaplain for South Carolina basketball. Dave Odom leaves. Um, his tenure ends there, but he creates a... a Fellowship of Christian Athletes kind of chapter called Gamecocks for Christ. Hooks up with Don Staley, has good connections with the women's basketball team. Cool, right? So 2011, Ryan Suckup, former South Carolina Gamecock, makes the connection with him with the Kansas City Chiefs. He starts working with them as a chaplain. He's there when the uh, when the murder-suicide uh, of Jovan Belcher, who killed his girlfriend and then himself at the, in the Chiefs parking lot, he helps them work through that particular moment as a life coach, right? The next year, Brian Dayball connects him to the Patriots, still kind of in that life chaplain coach place, right? They connect him to the Patriots. He starts helping them with draft evaluations, holds Bible studies, work with them through the Aaron Hernandez situation. This is a guy who had the ear of Bill Belichick. Let me repeat that. He had the ear of Bill Belichick, right? Fast forward 2019. He joins the Texans as a, let me get make sure I get this right, VP of team development 2019. He joins them. The front office goes through a shakeup there. Rick Smith leaves. Um, I can't remember his first name, but his, he, uh, the GM who replaces him, Gain, he loses a power struggle with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien becomes the de facto GM, and Easterby becomes the, the number two guy, right? So in 2020, he gets promoted to executive vice president of football operations. Can, can we just stop to just give the man a little bit of applause for the finesse and the hustle? Like to go from the preacher 
to the vice president. It's like, I mean, to give you a biblical example, this is kind of like David going from the shepherd field to, to being the king almost. Yeah, like that's wild. Now look, okay, okay, okay. He ruined the franchise, right? I mean, you know, he is considered to be one of the driving forces behind DeAndre Hopkins being traded. He is being considered as the driving force behind Deshaun Watson winning out. I mean, okay. So he ruined the franchise. You know, speaking of stocks, so he tanked the stock of the Texans by driving out two of its more recognizable and successful players ever. I mean, okay, who hasn't made a mistake here and there? Are you perfect on your job? Have you done everything right? <laughs> but here he is, right? So while he's destroying all the hard work that has happened from previous GMs and management, let's give the man a little bit, a little bit of a, a golf clap for finessing the rise from a preacher to an executive vice president. Listen, so shout out to 83, man. I, I appreciate you. Um, so Deshaun Watson has had enough. He wants out. And here's my fear, right? So they hired David Cully from the Ravens as a passing game coordinator, which, okay. Passing game coordinator, assistant head coach. And here's my fear for David Cully. So I believe David Cully is, early 60s i believe he's 61 and here is my fear for david my fee 65 let me first shout out to david david has a long history within working professionally he's been in and been in the industry been in 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 the game from a pro standpoint since 1994 when he started with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this isn't some novice, right? There's someone who has history, someone who has the respect. I saw Tyreek Hill talk about this was someone who helped him professionally his first year as a rookie, right? So he's not a man who's, who's he's not uh, Nick Sirianni, right? He's not Brandon Staley. He's someone who has been around. However, my fear is this. My fear is that they hired him because he is someone they can control. If you bring in an Eric B enemy, he may want more of an audience with the owner than Easterby has or Casario has. If you bring in um, a Brandon Staley, a Nick Sirianni, one of these younger coaches, maybe this is a guy who wants a little bit more of a voice with the owner. You want someone who is going to be happy to be where they are and who you can kind of control, right? You can... Because Casario and Easterby are probably going to have final say on drafting decisions, who are pro on personnel, right? He's to use the Parcells uh, analogy. They're going to bring him the groceries, and Cully's going to be responsible for making the meal. And if things fail, the I'm pretty sure the thinking is is that the the blame will fall more on Cully than it will on upper management. So I do wish, wish, excuse me, David Cully success. I wish him, um, hopefully he is going to be incredibly successful. But man, this job is a minefield. This job is a mine. Like you went from a, a really great piece of property on, on Monopoly, think North Carolina Avenue, you know, uh, what's the other one? Marvin Gardens. And now you done first little jumps, you Baltic Avenue right now. Like it's not looking good. So I do wish him much, much success and much luck, but boy, you starting from scratch, especially if Deshaun Watson is traded. And listen, as a Niners fan, I would love, love. I saw an ESPN article that had them as in terms of who does it make sense for him to be traded to as number three. Um, and, and, and if you tell me I can give up the number 12 pick this year, Jimmy Garoppolo and two ones, to get Deshaun Watson, where do I sign up? Where do I, why are we, why, why is the paper not been e the faxed or emailed or why is the ink not drowned that deal yet? Let's make that happen. If you are the Jack, well, he's not going to be traded within the division. So if you're the Jets, I know the Jets almost went winless, but that was a competitive team. Yes, they have a lot of, they have needs, but is, is it not a quarterback league? Is it, is it, is it, does everything not end and begin in this league with the quarterback? Now I have my own opinions of, of that particular train of thought, but does it not end and begin with the quarterback? Right? Like, here's the thing I keep hearing people say about Sam Darnold. 
there's talent there. You have to see what you have in in uh, Sam Darnold. Okay, that's nice. That's good and all. I don't have to see anything with Deshaun Watson. He's already shown it. Yes, if I trade this number, what, number two overall pick, yes, they're not going to be a, a playoff team year one. Not year one, but maybe year two. They got cap space. They had a couple of key defensive players who opted out. You get those guys back. Denzel Mims is somebody you can work with. Jamison Crowder is somebody you can work with. They got their left tackle in uh, Makai Becton, right? Ty Johnson was, I mean, Ty Johnson, David Johnson, is there really a big difference there? You know, they got some stuff to work with defensively they get Robert Sala if Robert Sala is as good as he was with the 49ers that defense is going to get better New York I don't know man y'all might need to like he's staring you in the face what you gonna do so if that y'all let me know what y'all think hit me up at brains and bars on Facebook Instagram uh Twitter let me know what y'all think where do you think Deshaun Watson should go and where do you think he will go um shout out to my uncle he said black coaches shouldn't uh take i'm assuming he's saying any head coaching just any head coaching job is set up for failure listen in dominoes they tell you not all money is good money and i know people want to eric the enemy to get a job but i don't know if that job is the one he should have gone after um there'll be other opportunities as long as he's a part of the kansas city chiefs and long as pat mahomes is still pat mahomes but that's a job that I don't care who, if you were up and coming coach, minority coach, white coach, <laughs> blue coach, green coach. I would be side eyeing that Houston Texans job, man. It's just it's not as long as Easterby is there. I don't know if that's the job you want to take. But let me know what y'all think, man. So let's jump into these NFC and AFC recap games. First of all, let's start in the NFC. Tampa Bay beats Green Bay 31 to 26. Tom Brady is going to his 10th. Super Bowl, that is unbelievable. 10 Super Bowls. And I was talking with my dad before on my way as I come home from work. And Tampa Bay, it's impressive what Tampa Bay has done, in part because this is the team that has uh hasn't been there before, right? Like there's something to be said about playoff experience. And Brady has obviously has a lot of it. But Tampa Bay hasn't been to the playoffs since win right like i and i'm gonna have to look this up to see if i can find it here while i'm while i'm talking to you guys but it's been a minute since they've been to the playoffs prior to this particular run and to go through new orleans a team that beat you twice to go through uh green bay on the road much props much respect there is one play that stands out to me and it's not the the pass interference call at the end of the game it was a play. It was a series that happened in the second quarter. Green Bay's down 14 to seven. They're in the red zone, 10 yard line or in, I think maybe around the eight yard line. It's the play where Rodgers goes to Devontae Adams and he tries to hit him for the touchdown. Devontae should have made the catch. It was a tough catch, but he should have made it. He drops it. They end up kicking the field goal. At this point, the ball is it, where they try to pass to the left is the wide side of the field. There's a lot of space and Tampa Bay on each of the three downs plays man coverage. If you are Matt LaFleur, you have got to, got to, got to make sure if they're going to single cover Devontae Adams, I don't care if it's a slant. I don't care if it's a fade route, if it's another back shoulder throw, again, Madden game coordinators, when someone, you see something that is exploitable, a Madden game coordinator is going to continue to hit it until you stop it. To me, in my opinion, they should have went back to Devontae Adams, looked at the coverage, seen if there was one-on-one, and told Aaron, if they're going single, if they're going uh, man-to-man, we're going to run something ex explicitly for Devontae on that wide side of the field and see if they can make a play. Like, to me, that was not the turning point of the game, but is one of the pivotal, one of the biggest moments in that game. Because if you come away with that touchdown, we might be looking at, one, you're not playing for a, a touchdown at the end of the game, you're playing for a field goal, right? And now you put the pressure back on Brady, who was awful in that second half. So let, let and let me turn my attention to Brady, because I got into a lengthy 
Twitter back and forth with the homie Jared Sanders about this. It is possible to give Tom Brady his flowers. Again, 10 Super Bowls is incredible. 14 conference championship games, incredible. 20 years of dang near excellence every year. Bravo. I made a statement at the beginning of the season or in the off season that, that Tom Brady was going to be Jordan. This is going to be our Jordan with the Wizards moment. Now, I believe I was right in some aspects on that, and I believe I was wrong in some aspects on that. I believe I was right in that, in that I believe you are seeing the signs of aging on Brady. I don't think he moves around in the pocket as well as he did maybe five years ago. Sometimes the processing isn't quite where it should be. His deep ball passing is not as good as it has been in the past. I think those are the signs of aging that you have seen with Tom Brady. Now, the thing about football and the thing about playing quarterback at such a high level as Brady does is that the intellect that he has can make up for a lot of what the body is no longer able to do. And I think with a quarterback like Drew Brees, you saw the mind still sharp, but the body just didn't have it anymore. And I think with Brady, through the avocado ice cream, the TB12, the plyometrics, he has been able to keep his body in well enough shape and condition that he can put up, what, 4,300, 4,600 yards, 40 touchdowns, right? But even within that, we talked about earlier, it's a passing league. It's a passing league. And so when you are in a Bruce Arians offense, if you can, if you are living and breathing, number one, and number two, if you have any talent whatsoever, you are going to ball out in a Bruce Arian system. Let's look at the facts on that. A Andrew Luck back in 2012 balled out when um, Chuck Pagano got sick and he took over as the, as the head coach and offensive coordinator. Then he goes to Arizona, right? Carson Palmer put up good numbers while in Arizona. Then he comes to Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston last year throws for 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns. Now, he also threw for 30 interceptions, right? If you are talented and you, and, and, and you play with Bruce Arians as a quarterback, you're going to put up numbers. And that's where I was wrong. I thought Brady would throw for at least 4,000. I didn't see 40 touchdowns, though. I thought he could throw for at least 30. So I was wrong in that aspect. But please understand that this Brady is not the Brady from five years ago. This Brady is not, I'm not sure it's the Brady from 2018, right? And the defense did a lot in making sure that this team is being represented in the Super Bowl right now. What JPP and um, Shaq Barrett did, amazing. Vita Vey in the middle, coming back from injury, yes. And Dominican Sue, uh, Devin White and Levante David, maybe the best uh, linebacker combo around in the league right now. Yeah. They got some talent on that side of the ball. And if, had you found a good quarterback, had you been able to plug in, I think Jared Goff could have made this team to the, to, took this team pretty far. I, as much as I'm not a fan of him, Deshaun Watson could have taken this team pretty far. Right. Um, shout out to the homie Loso. I don't know if Kirk Cousins could have taken them that far. <laughs> My bad. That's my bad. I'm my bad, Lo. So I shouldn't have. My apologies. But again, I think that had you gotten a competent quarterback in this position, they could have made the Super Bowl. So again, we can tell the truth about Brady. As far as an individual accomplishment of doing what he's doing at this age, it is to be applauded. And hats off to him. However, this isn't 2008 Brady we're talking about. It's not even 2018 Brady we're talking about. This is a guy who's able to make things happen because of the talent around him and the power of his intellect. Sometimes, man. And this Super Bowl matchup is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about that next week when me and the homies can all get together. Y'all let me know what y'all think about this NFC Championship matchup, man. Um, Browns, I'm Browns, oh my gosh. Packers, uh, Bucks, let me know what y'all think. Um, let me know what y'all think about Aaron Rodgers. If you think he'll be back as a Packer this year, I think a lot of this was was a lot of smoke. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. The Packers will be fools to trade him, and I think he's going to stay. 
All right, let's jump to the uh, AFC Chiefs versus uh, Bills. Um, this game wasn't, I mean, once the Chiefs got up uh, 14 to nine, the game was essentially over. You could see where the game was trending, where it was headed. Uh, Buffalo, listen, Bills Mafia, you guys have had a great season. Uh, your team has had a great season. And you have a quarterback who I did not believe in, who has made me a believer. Josh Allen said, he said that he saw that he was accurate. He watched tape, worked on mechanics to get better, to be a better quarterback. And he was that this year. The guy was fired. He was really now, now granted, Josh Allen's going to try to give you the ball. And I think I said this last week, he's going to make some plays and make you go, come on, man, what, what, what are you doing? And he threw two passes that should have been picked off um, by Traverius Ward. And I think Juan Thornhill that should have been interceptions. He's going to try to give you the ball. If he can, Cut down on that tendency, he'll even step it up another tier. But he was in my good tier this year. That being said, Josh Allen is a nice quarterback, but Mahomes is special. And I hear a lot of talk about, oh, look at the coaches, look at the weapons. You know, if 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 Rodgers played in this offense, if Brady played in this offense, if Josh Allen had these weapons, like it would be in, in this coaching, you know, you would see similar numbers. And again, I want to stress it's a passing league. Good talent and good coaching will allow you to put up numbers. But here's the thing about Mahomes that separates him from just about every quarterback playing the position today. And it is, we talked about Brady's intellect. It's Mahomes's intellect, his ability, as I heard Ryan Clark say earlier this week, to read the defense's mail, to understand what is happening pre and post snap. And then even when the offense breaks down, his, again, his ability to diagnose what's happening around him and make the right play the majority of the time. Please understand that Rodgers can make plays what they call in the, in the, in the league off schedule, right? Rodgers can keep plays alive with his legs and still find players down the field. Josh Allen is able to do that, right? You have quarterbacks who can do those things. Josh Allen has an arm that is comparable to Mahomes in its power, in its ability to, to feed uh, players from different arm slots. Matthew Stafford can do that. There are players with the physical attributes that Mahomes has, but it is up here where he is that is separating him because all Kelsey and Hill are not getting wide open all the time. And my concern for the Chiefs throughout the year was that they were playing the sport of football like a basketball team that was simply picking and choosing when to turn up, when to say, OK, this game is getting tight. I'm going to now take it to the next level. We need a stop defense. We're going to get that stop. And in 16 games, they only lost once playing that way. 16 games. But in the playoffs, the defense has gotten better. They've tightened up their their game. I believe it was, I think I saw a stat with Mahomes where in all the possessions that he's been on the field and finished the possession, they punt it twice. Every other possession has ended up in a touchdown and I think two field goals. Like they have flipped a switch that, not, that I did not think was possible. And it's something that as a team that we look at as the best in the league, it should be applauded. Right. Because the, the the other talking point about the Chiefs that grinded my gears as we got towards the end of the season was, well, you know, they don't they don't win a lot of games. They're not blowing people out. They're not they're not doing what the Bills are doing. Right. The Bills are punishing teams. They're they're winning by double digits. And the Chiefs, they're playing all these close games. You know where close games matter in the NFL? Vegas point spreads. And if you bet on the Chiefs against the Chiefs on a lot of these point spreads, you made some money. But in terms of there was something I was there was a stat I was looking for to, to try to find to try to prove the Chiefs dominance. And I called it game control. To me, is the game is the game in doubt at any point in time? So I found a stat and I might post a link in here when I edit this that talks about the wind, the wind probability. And so wind probability is an analy analytical measure that factors in who's at home, score, time, uh, down and distance, position on the field, right? And when you in a big when a big play happens, a sack, an interception, a long pass, touchdowns, right? You'll see a spike in the win probability for in either direction for either team. So I went and looked at the win probability for the Chiefs 
and I forget the name of the site and I'll try to make sure I link it um, in, in the, in the buy in the notes uh, when I drop, when I drop the podcast off, the chiefs win probability in that whole stretch of one score games, there were two games where they were in serious danger of losing. The first one is a Sunday night football game against the Raiders where Mahomes had to lead that final drive to win the game and the Falcons game where the Falcons drove, had a chance to send the game into overtime and they missed it. No 83. Get out of here with that momentum measurement system, bro. <laughs> Don't start. Don't start, man. Don't start. So those were the only two games where they were ever, ever in danger of losing. Other than that, Tampa Bay game, they were in control. Miami game, they were in control. Even that funky, weird Denver game, they were in control. Carolina, it, listen, this was a this was the best team in football from game one to game 16. And we, we did not, if they win the Super Bowl, I don't know if they're going to get the credit for being the truly great team that they were this year. Um, analytics say that they were the most consistently good team. One of not, not the very best, but top three, most consistently good teams all year. Their DVOA is like top five. Like this was by every measurement you want to look at. This was a great team, but other teams had ups and downs and fluctuated. This team was even killed. And you got to give a lot of respect to uh, Andy Reid, to EB, Spagnolo, the leaders, the players, uh, Matthew, Mahomes. I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. And if they win the Super Bowl, I, as a Niners fan, it does not give me joy to say this. <laughs> Please understand. If this team goes back to back, I don't know when they're going to lose again. Like, and, and by lose again, I mean a championship. I'm not talking about a game. I'm not talking about a game, not a game. I'm talking about the championship. I don't know when they're going to lose again because they got Mahomes under contract. They got Kelsey. They got Hill, right? They got Edwards Hilaire. Um, they got Matthew. They got Jones. They got Clark. And I know Frank Clark's not a, a popular guy all the time in Kansas City, but he does a lot of the little stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, right? They got, I mean, Willie Gay, that secondary with, with uh, Le a lot of their cornerbacks are going to be free agents, but they're going to have a great starting block with Legereus Snee. And if Juan Thornhill is back, it's good night. So we spent a lot of time this year either ignoring Kansas City's success or finding ways to nitpick it and not enjoying the ride and the run that this team has been on. Only one loss in the last calendar year, guys. One like let, let me let me put it into perspective for you. When the Patriots back in, was it 2008, 2009, when they were just crushing everybody and went almost undefeated, the media coverage was wall to wall. It was Brady and Belichick. Is this the greatest team ever? So on and so forth. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This team is not obviously the, the most dominant defensive team. They're not, I mean, offensively, because they coasted from time to time, they won't go down as the most dominant offensive team. However, if they pull off this back-to-back -back championship, we need to talk about this team in the pantheon of great teams. And yes, I understand statistically it doesn't show up on paper, but we need to have that conversation. Y'all let me know what y'all think, man. Y'all let me know what y'all think. Am I crazy? Should we talk about this team in the pantheon of great teams if they pull off the back-to-back Next week, we're going to be back. We're going to talk Super Bowl, um, and we might – we're working on something. If it comes through, we might have a special guest, which will might be a really – it'll make for a really special show. Let me say this one last thing, and I, I am about to get out of here. This is non-sports non related. I'm closing the show on a non-sports related note. I, I, ha I have to do my Googles on this. So if y'all – anyone who knows me knows I'm a Popeye's man. I like Popeye's shit. I, my mother used to work there as a kid, so I, I have an affinity for, for Popeyes, right? My son is a Popeyes man. He takes after his father. He likes, he likes the chicken at Popeyes. I go to Popeyes, and y'all let me know what I should do with this. I go to Popeyes. I go and get him a chicken tender combo. I'm like, let me get the number five mild side of fries and the strawberry, because the strawberry is popping at Popeyes. You know what they tell me? 
we've discontinued the strawberry. You what? You discontinued. Y'all let me know what I should do. Because because let, let me tell you what, what I want to do. I never want to eat Popeyes again. You discontinued the strawberry? Are you saying? The audacity, the unmitigated gall to discontinue. Y'all let me know what I should do. Should I discontinue? Should I should I quit going to Popeye's? I don't know where I'm going to go get my fast food chicken if I don't go to Popeye's no more. I'm just going to tell you because I ain't fooling with churches and I'm not a big KFC guy. I don't know where I'm going. But that, that hurt my soul. But hit me up. Go to Facebook. You go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Should, let me know the new fast food chicken place I got to go to that's going to have that strawberry that's popping. And no, not churches. I'm not fooling with churches. But anyway, that's my time, man. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Please remember, you can find every episode of This Black Up White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice. Rate, review, subscribe. The more you do that, the more the podcast is seen by others. Go to YouTube. Subscribe, subscribe, like the video, share the content there. Most episodes of the podcast will be on the YouTube platform. This live video will get edited and then reposted again. So when that shows up in your feed, please like, rate, and subscribe. Um, go to everythingloso.com for music battles merch. I am awar.com for music battles merch this weekend. Check Rap Grid for the pay-per-view. Riggs versus A-Ward going down. Wartime Battle League. Warner Robbins, Georgia. Shout out to Clone. Vixen versus Loso going down. Kings versus Queens 2 in February on Caffeine on URL. I'm A1. I will see y'all next week, man. Y'all be easy. Have a good weekend and uh, stay safe out there.